Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We focus on the Latinx presence in the comic industry, with a special focus on strong female characters and creators. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 25 of Comadres y Comics, where your host, I am Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. So girls, what have you guys been up to? Oh, well, the holidays are fast approaching. We just finished Thanksgiving, yep. um, at which I started binge watching Punisher. I haven't finished yet, so no spoilers, <laughs> but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Oh, oh yeah, Punisher nice. finished it. I totally nice. finished it. It was great. I haven't gotten to it because I'm late on everything. And I'm <laughs> going to tell you right now, I'm probably not going to finish it. But I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. At least you're honest. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how are you guys finding this weather and the uh, holidays? The holidays were good to us at Heidi Ho. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, but, I like that. Um, super busy. Super busy. Yeah. We had a small business Saturday sale that was really successful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Were there any like crazy finds, like the Stanley signed copy of? Oh yeah, that Hawkeye. Yeah. No, I don't think we had any crazy finds. Um, mm-hmm. But people were buying up those twenty-five cent comics like crazy. It was twenty-five cents each for single issues, or one hundred for twenty dollars. And there was multiple people buying multiple uh, short box length uh, worth of, um, Comic. of comics. Yeah, excellent. I would have gone, but I was actually poor by the time Thanksgiving rolled around, so I didn't even get to go to Black Friday anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had my eye on a few things, but didn't go. I did go to Black Friday. I went to the Glendale Galleria because the Journeys there was the last place that had the Persephone Doc Martin, or at least I thought they did in my (laughs) size. Yeah. Turns out they did have a pair, but they were size 7. Oh, because apparently the ones, the those size tens that I wanted, they could not sell it, so they sent it back to their warehouse. Oh, and honestly, I was just sad. like, uh, <laughs> how could you? How could you? Couldn't you have waited oh, till after Black Friday to send horrible. them back? Yeah, oh. but they sent them back, and I was just like, I'm so sad now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got good deals at Torrid though. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Right on. Yeah, no, I had my eye on some um. I wanted to get some art supplies um, mm. just because I got really excited from the art show we had. It was really, really successful, I think. A lot of people sold some stuff, and um, um, it was just a great turnout. Everybody bought beer or wine or tequila. Mm. So, you know, by the end of it, we're all smashed and stuff. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I, got, I got the opportunity to test out. Um, I ended up uh, finding some spotlights at, in the dumpster. Oh, and there wow. was a lot of them, so I got to test them out for this show, and everybody was talking about how it was really great. They were able to see the artwork yeah. this time, mm-hmm. because before, uh, we tried to use those lights, those um, kind of carnival lights, but they're so dim mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. most people weren't able to appreciate like the high detail of some of these works. So mm-hmm. um, I was really excited about that, and now I'm just so excited. I want to build palette walls for the next show, which I'm pretty sure is going to be in March. Oh, so cool. I'm very excited. I've gotten a lot of requests to participate so that that's good news i saw the pictures mm-hmm. and i saw the little videos that you took and it looked like it, there was a lot of really yeah. cool um art uh artists that were in um in the show this time so i'm glad to hear that it's really uh taking off yeah every time i do it i'm just like oh that this is the last one but then when it happens then I'm on that high. Then yeah. I'm like, I want to go buy canvases. Worth all the hard work. <laughs> yeah, and then, then, then I don't have money and I don't buy the canvases, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, Joanne's had a sale where, like, a pack of, I don't know, like, four or five for, like, $10. And 
I couldn't, I couldn't make it. So it's okay. Aww. It's okay. Next year, mm-hmm. it'll be fine. They have sixty percent off a regular price item anyway most of the time during the year. So I'm not too bummed about that. But mm-hmm. I wasn't able to go to the Heidi Ho one, even though it was twenty five cents comic books. I should have just looked at the cushions. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyway, that that was uh, that that was my holiday kind of weekend. We had friendsgiving. That was pretty good. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I, me and my mom cooked for a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And she bought, um, um, pavo negro. So you keep mm-hmm. telling me about this pavo negro, but I've never heard of pavo negro. What is it? I even <laughs> looked it up on Google. <laughs> after you told me about that, because I'm like, that doesn't sound appetizing. What the heck is it? It's just basically, it's, a, they call it pavo negro because, one, it has almost no fat in it. Mm. Um, uh, which call it, and it's it's dark meat because it's a free range bird. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so that's why it's it's literally just like the they call it pavo negro because the meat's darker. Oh, is it okay. more expensive because yes. it's free? Okay, it's and more expensive, but it is a lot tastier. You have no idea how much tastier it is. Like the, my mom can't can't like not have this bird anymore and it took us she was on a three-hour hunt for this bird because <laughs> they um uh they were most places were sold out wow and it was and she got it for the whopping price of 112 dollars holy cow already cooked or no, no. no. live 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 yeah <laughs> you get that turkey fresh i ain't doing none of that frozen shit oh wow yeah, yeah the taste must be like it's amazing. It's always amazing. It's but great. you guys don't kill it, right? Somebody kills it for you. Oh yeah, somebody kills it okay. for me. But if you, if you, I, I was in Guatemala. I saw them kill it. Oh, my yeah, grandmother, my grandmother, and my great grandmother used to run their own business uh, in the backyard of, <laughs> of their house, um, where they, back in the day, um, hunters would pay them to kill and, um, well, not kill the thing, the hunters. Obviously, oh, no, they brought dead stuff, but like other people, um, they raised chickens and people would pay them to kill the chickens and pluck them and prepare them. And then the hunters would come and bring. So underneath my grandma's house, um, there's a basement, but there's also a washroom where there's a sink and everything. And when my grandma was still living, she would tell me about how they would bring the carcasses in there and like pluck them and stuff like that. And that was how they made their living. That is so cool. That's so but my cool. mom, my mom relays uh, stories about how she remembers my great grandmother chasing the chickens around and grabbing them, and with no qualms whatsoever, just swinging them around to break their necks. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that on Babel, the movie Babel. Oh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't know they did that. That's some hardcore stuff. Man. Yeah, I know. They just grab it and my, my yeah, my gra- my great grandmother. She yeah. She got down. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, when I was in Guatemala, um, to celebrate that my mom had come back the first time, they killed a couple of chickens. And you see, they do this early in the morning. Your girl doesn't get up early in the morning. <laughs> so I just, I just like, I just woke up and I just hear like the dying squawks of a chicken. And I'm just all like, oh, we're going to eat good tonight. <laughs> But uh, then, then my mom comes in and she's like, "You have to help us deplug the chicken." Oh, it and it's still warm and well. That's you see yeah. it to to make it easier to um, deplug it, dip the literally do it in hot water. Yeah. So yeah. I was I did do that. I used to get grossed out uh, 
de-stickering the nopales. I don't think I could de-block <laughs> the chicken. Oh, man. Oh, no. See, oh. Yeah, my baby sister couldn't eat chicken for months after that because, you see, she was awake and she saw them kill them. Oh, wow. So she could not eat it like when when uh it was when it was prepared that night she was just like no i'm not hungry (laughs) (laughs) oh that's so sad you know some people they say that like there's some people that say oh i can't eat um i can't eat uh meat off the bones like really where do you think meat comes from motherfucker (laughs) like like, seriously no seriously my 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 husband's cousin is like, I can't eat meat that's on the bone. And I'm like, so you... Because it grosses them out, and then it, it's like, that makes it like animalistic or something? I have no clue, but he'll eat chicken nuggets or like chicken breast because it's not on the bone. Yeah. But he won't eat... If like, he really like, knew what was in those chicken nuggets, he wouldn't eat those either. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm chicken saying. Chicken nuggets, I'm like, like man, I don't even eat chicken nuggets anymore. And he actually came from Nicaragua uh, when he was a teen. So I'm like, what did you do while you were living in Nicaragua? Did you not eat meat? Is that... Did your parents not slap you when you refused <laughs> 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 Yeah, no. No, that's... Interesting. That's, yeah, that, that's a little weird. That's a little weird. All right, girls. Well, let's move on to beer reviews. Kristen, what are we drinking today? Well, today we have this glorious can of Mumford Brewing Unpresidential IPA. Uh, I actually really like this uh, can uh, art. I don't, I don't know what president or what picture of person is actually on it, but it's kind of cool. Um, but this is from uh, Mumford Brewing, and they are located in California. Where in California? <laughs> it just says California, United States. <laughs> They're located all over California. <laughs> Our producer um, uh, provided me with some incomplete in notes. <laughs> I did. I'm so sorry. Uh, but it has uh, an ABV of 6.8. And it says that its uh, availability is rotating, so I guess I, I assume that means that it com- becomes available throughout the year on and off. Right. Um, so it is a northeastern IPA. Oh, it says right here it's uh, Mumford Brewing located in Skid Row, um, walking distance from the Arts District. Oh, shit. Whoa. Nice. It's right here. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I am familiar with that area. Hey. Oh, I'm very familiar with that area. So it says um, that you can find this IPA on tap and occasionally in cans, or you can hop on over to their uh, to their tour. It says East and Central Tour that features some of the best L.A. beers at three different breweries in Central L.A. Uh, this new style of IPA, often referred to as a hazy IPA, which you can totally see by looking at it. It looks like an unfiltered apple juice. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it smells so good too. Oh, it does smell really good. Mm, I, I made can, my mouth water. I can. I now know how IPA smells like. Oh, look! Yeah. And it says right here, similar to orange juice. I said oh. apple, but uh, it looks similar to orange, and That's actually smells that way too. It does smell super citrusy. Mm-hmm. It says the aroma is incredibly fruit forward with sense of orange and mango, which I can kind of smell that. Um, And it says that it matches that insanely fruit taste of this barely bitter beer. Ooh, so barely bitter. I'm interested to see what kind of uh, IPA uh, aftertaste it has. Um, So let's see. It says it's hardly an IPA if you're judging it by sight and taste, but... 
Judging it on the sheer amount of hops that the brute master Peter Mumford uses, it really can't be called anything else. So that is a little um, synopsis of unpresidential Mumford Brewing that you can get right here in Los Angeles, California. And uh, I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna cleanse my palate before I take a drink. Yes. Because I was just chewing gum, and just as you start, we started the podcast like, oh crap, I shouldn't have put that gum in my <laughs> mouth. We're gonna drink beer. All right, guys. <laughs> salud. Okay. Salud. All right, bottoms up, guys. It's highly, oh, wow. um, highly um, gaseous. Do you know? <laughs> this is the first IPA that, it, to, it's backwards. It's super strong with the taste, and then it dissipates at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like it. There's no, <laughs> <laughs> There's no aftertaste. Like, it's not a hard it's aftertaste. A, it's, a, it's a before taste. Yeah, <laughs> and there's um, there's a nice carbonation coating of your tongue with the with the flavor. I can't taste anything after it. It's like yeah. Yeah, there's no aftertaste. No. Yeah, there's like. A, so if I make out with somebody, they won't know that I was drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> when huh. I mean somebody, I mean Frank, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. It. I can taste the citrus. I can taste. And I don't know if my tastes are skewed because of the gum that I was tasting, but it doesn't taste good to me. <laughs> this I, is can taste, I can taste the hops. I can smell the citrus. I cannot taste it. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm letting it coat my tongue, and I can't taste anything afterwards. It has it's super food. overpowering. The taste in and of itself is very overpowering. A lot of the beers that we've tasted, you could taste the little notes and hints of the fruits and the the different, like, woodsy and whatever. In this, it's just super overpowering of just, like, hoppiness, which is what a lot of people complain about when they drink IPAs. And um, and, I, and I always say, you're just not drinking the right IPA. They're drinking these kinds of IPAs because I don't like it. <laughs> This one says, uh, created a juicy IPA with boatloads of citra, galaxy, and amarillo, Cit- amarillo hops. Citra seems to be um, super... Overpowering? Um, no, I was going to say it, it's uh, super available around here to the breweries because that one is always in the uh, the IPAs and the, the uh, beers that we taste, uh, citra. Hmm. So what do you guys think? So, if we were rating this beer on our um, on our nice little beer rating scale here, which goes from at the very bottom flaccid to the um, top, which is rigid, and then above top is Super Saiyan, um, I would actually, for me, I wouldn't say flaccid. I would drink this if it was free uh, <laughs> and not complain. There's... Many beers that I would not drink even if it's free. Um, so I would say initial for me. I'm going to go with initial too because it's not that one, it's still not that one beer that we said it was a flaccid that tasted like 
Oh, it just tasted like straight up lemons. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't, no, there was another one we rated like. I think we it, we've had two beers that are flaccid, utterly flat. Which we thought w- went bad. We actually. Thought oh, was, that's yeah. right. I do yeah. remember that. Terrible. And yeah. I feel super sad, uh, Sarah, that that we're kind of going out of order today because we usually don't do the beer first. But Sarah's like, I. It's been a hard day. I need a beer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I sure do. But uh, I mean, regardless of how it tastes, it still has an ABV of six point eight. So uh, it'll still do the. <laughs> Job. It'll, it'll, it'll get the job done. <laughs> um, I actually like the extra carbonation and um, the hot. It kind of like that. The carbonation it kind of coats your tongue along with the citrus. Uh, I like that. It's a little like very low pop rocks. <laughs> Which is I, I I'm enjoying that. I'm gonna go with partial on this one. Partial. Yeah. Right. It's got that going for it. Like <laughs> yeah. carbonation. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I was really surprised by the carbonation, so I'm I'm excited for it. The whole reason that I really don't like beers and everything like um uh, was the whole hop situation, mm-hmm. and this has a lot of hops. I don't like beer because of the hop situation. <laughs> I don't know why they need to add it. <laughs> That's how you make beer. <laughs> Man, this is this is why I was exclusively vodka and tequila. So I have I like to say, it. the more I'm drinking it, the less the yuckiness is so i feel like i should give it yeah uh, definitely a second try after um i have not been uh chewing minty gum i think that's definitely uh affected my taste um actually you I, I think you're right because like the second or third sip i had from it it was like i actually let it sit for a while and um mm-hmm. the carbonation carbonation kind of settled yeah but then um I don't know. It was a lot fruitier at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm enjoying it. I, I'm still going to go with the partial. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm honestly thinking about switching this to flaccid because. <laughs> really? I don't I don't like it. As I keep drinking it, I can taste the bitterness in the back of my throat more and more. It says here that they the, the Northeast took that foundation Oh, it starts over here. Unpresidential is a head scratcher to some and intimately familiar to others. In either case, this beer is a spark in the fire of revolution. We are in the midst of another stage in the evolution of the IPA style, from its origins across the pond to the IPA hitting stateside and American craft brewers putting their spin on it. More recently, the coasts have put a distinct stamp on the IPA style. The West Coast went huge with hoppy bitterness, dank, pine, and citrus, while the Northeast took that foundation, dialed back the bitterness, added a juicy palate with lots of fruit, and left the beer a touch cloudy. This is the place from which the inspiration for this beer originates. For this iteration of Unpresidential, which is number five, we have created a juicy IPA with boatloads of Citra, Galaxy, and Amarillo hops for your drinking pleasure. I feel like it's not the... The bitterness is not dialed back whatsoever nope. in this in this beer. And you guys want it? I think Sarah would like it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right, you can have. I'm like you can Mikey. Have mine. I'll, I'm like Mikey. I'll, I'll <laughs> even drink anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I guess I guess that that concludes our beer tasting review. Mm-hmm. But try it out for yourselves. I, I enjoy the uh, like I said. I enjoy the uh, extra carbonation in that. I'll give it this. At least it's not sour. Oof. Mm, yeah. I'm not a sour 
But did we try a sour? Is that one of the ones that I that I don't know. Let's try a sour. I'm not a fan of sour, but I'd like to actually rate do one for our segment. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, I think I'm gonna go with Amarilla Gorilla from Smog City. Oh, okay. Yeah, and okay. see how you guys like that one. Uh, I think they have other really sour ones, but we haven't tried Smog City, so Ooh, it makes thinking about it makes my Let's mouth water. All right, I'm gonna surprise you guys with that next time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in other news, we have Chisme de la Semana, and I am Sarah. I'm presenting that to you today. And I, uh, El Chisme is uh, Avengers Infinity Reward trailer. Uh, it broke records with 230 million views in 24 hours. Um, so that's really interesting. Well, good to know something's going right for them, <laughs> considering what just happened. Well, yeah, it just happened. It was like yesterday, two days ago, the news broke out. And this is Jen, and I'm bringing my cheese, man. Go for it. The fact, uh, I believe I, I even reported about C.B. Sebulski. What? Sebulski? Sebulski. Yeah, about uh, Axel Alonso, like, like he's basically, basically after Bendis... Uh, left right. Marvel. It was shortly afterwards. Uh, Axel Alonso said, "I'm stepping down," and uh, CB Sibolsky was announced the new editor in chief. Well, wow. Marvel apparently had a policy that staff could not write for them, and by staff, it's just like you know, like um, um the because Sibolsky was a talent hunter for them, okay. and basically stuff like that, like. Editor, your editor in chief can't write comics for you. Uh, your talent hunter couldn't um, uh, write for you. Basically, if you're not spe- explicitly a writer writing for Marvel, you can't write mm-hmm. for them. So years ago, Marvel was looking for um, uh, Asian creators and writers to work for them to get that authentic Asian voice. <laughs> and uh turns out Her that <laughs> turns out that Sabolski really wanted to might write for Marvel mm-hmm. and so he applied for this position and he got it and because he posed as Akira Yoshida. Wow. So he used yeah. a pseudonym which was clearly Japanese mm-hmm. and then proceeded to um write to write titles under oh, that name. Under that name. But you see like there's that's there's, there's that whole like you know like how do you even get it with don't they, don't they have meeting interviews? Doesn't somebody know who they really are? Doesn't somebody know yeah. who they really really are? Don't apparently, they send somebody to meet the person? How, like in apparent how do how do he cash in his checks? Yeah. Like, like how do how does that happen? But apparently, apparently, Marvel was under the impression that they had met Akira Yoshida, when in fact they had met a translator who they just took oh, wow. to see him. Interesting. And uh, they thought that this was the person that they hired. When it turns out they didn't. <laughs> what the that heck? That was kind of funny. Yeah, it, it, it makes them look super stupid too. Mm-hmm. If that's in fact the truth that nobody knew, and they just were um, taking for granted that this person that they met was the real person, mm-hmm. it makes them look really silly. Mm-hmm. So I take it that Marvel didn't come out and say this is what happened and this person tricked us. No, the this story was broken out by Bleeding Cool Comics, and I have my issues with Bleeding Cool. Comics. A lot of people do. A lot of people do, <laughs> but you cannot deny that this guy has got the dirt. He's got all the mm-hmm. dirt, he's got the news, he's got the info, and it's most of the time correct. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, he, <laughs> they broke out the news, and so Sabolski was basically 
outed and basically forced to confirm the rumors that, yeah, that was him. And it's wow. just, one, Marvel had been trying to look for somebody who was Asian, but one, he took the place of somebody who could have actually written. Because he's, right. I stopped writing under the pseudonym Akira Yoshiro after about a year. So when he quit, Marvel would have taught, took him that as a sign of it. was just like, oh, look, looks like we can't find them. We're not going to be looking for these people anymore. And even if we do want to find them, we can just contact this guy who isn't even fucking Asian. That's horrible. That is super horrible. So what are they saying? That they hired him based on mm-hmm. the stories he wrote that they felt were, like, marketable they, they, under they the Asian yeah. umbrella? Yeah. Oh, my God. No. So like that, not only that, it was just that uh, in an article, and uh, in an interview, interview said that uh, Marvel said that they hired this person because they could write in English and had the, and were able no to. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they could write in English and write in a manner that spoke to American audiences with the authentic Japanese experience. Wow. And I was just like, oh my fucking God. Oh, wow. Like, Oh, my way, God. Way to yeah. go, guys. Way to go. You guys told so me. So is there any, um, is there any Marvel response to any of this? There hasn't been, but Sana Amanat, who is also uh, an editor there, and she's one of the co-creators mm-hmm. of my favorite person in the entire Marvel Universe, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. Right. Uh, spoke up in defense for him, and oh, I was interesting. I was honestly, I was, I, I that was a little like, why? Yeah, why yeah. did you do? And she said that she's like, uh, and then in she in her defense, she said, um, uh, in her defense of him, she said, well, he's a good friend of mine, and he's actually lived in Japan for a couple of years. He knows Japanese, and I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe these words are coming out of your mouth. Like you're telling me that is someone. Who wasn't from your country? Only lived there. Like it, this was a couple of years. Uh, only, only a couple of years, and they know the language. And then they wrote about your experience. Mm-hmm. Like you would say that that's okay. And because if she, if the answer is no, then it's gonna be the same for any other ethnicity that yeah, was absolutely. that was basically taken. Yeah. And it's I was just like wow. And like <laughs> of course that doesn't that is that doesn't exactly. Um, in literature, that's not exactly um, uh, too far out there. It's basically what all of uh, post-colonial literature and colonialist literature is about, is some white guy going to live in India, in Africa, in in China, and living there for a couple of years and then coming back and writing something about it. And mm-hmm. you tell me that's not... Even now, there's entire classes dedicated to how that was racist and how that was wrong. Absolutely. And... This so, is this is in a situation that is like that. I can understand how um, how the fact that there are a lot of writers uh, in all literary mediums that use pseudonyms for multiple reasons, mm-hmm. and I can understand. For example, Joe Hill, he is Stephen King's son, and he writes. Fiction and comics under Joe Hill. Um, I mean, now everyone knows who he is, but in the beginning, nobody knew who he was, and he really wanted to try to um, to garner his success 
mm-hmm. out from under the shadow of his father and, and know mm-hmm. that he he deserved it without people just handing it to him. And I can understand um, women who mm-hmm. write under um, male names because they otherwise can't get their foot even into the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but J.K. Rowling did exactly, that. Yeah. That was exactly yeah. what I was thinking about because for a long time I thought she was a man. Because mm. J.K. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason she shortened her name. Yeah, um, uh, was so that it could it sounded masculine. Right, mm-hmm. but the in this instance in this situation, the fact that Marvel was specifically looking for Asian writers and that this person, um, on purpose used an Asian pseudonym, a Japanese pseudonym, to take the place of. Uh, an Asian creator, it just, it, it re, it totally, totally has a different feel to the situation and, mm-hmm. um, definitely now in this day and age of, um, appropriation and all, you know, cultural appropriation and all that kind of stuff, it's just super, um, it, I, I could understand why a lot of people are, um, very super salty about, uh, this coming out right now. Mm-hmm. And, it this was 13 years ago mm-hmm. um but he and this is uh, this is like what what was it he was a japanese writer who in interviews told us that he worked for manga publishers went to us comic conventions befriended the likes of pat lee and started working in american comics as a result like that wasn't that was like all that was a, was a lie it was a lie it yeah. was it was a lie and he wrote he wrote 12 issues of Thor, Son of Asgard, six issues of X-Men, Age of Apocalypse, five of Elektra, The Hand, five of Wolverine, Soul Taker, five of X-Men, Kitty Pride, Shadow and Flame, and five of X-Men, Fantastic Four, and a bunch of one-shots before just April stopped. <clears throat> well, flat-out lie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. definitely some cheese, man. Uh, it has just broke uh, very recently, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that... Um, there's going to be a lot more um, stuff that's coming out uh, around this story and what what he's going to say really happened and what other people are going to come out and say happened. So um, I think that we'll definitely, this is not the last that we're going to hear uh, of this. And it's probably not the, the last that we're going to hear about maybe other instances where other writers and creators did something similar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope not. I hope this is just like a one-time instance bless you thank you salute uh yeah that's horrible i mean you know he's flat out lied he flat out lied about what he'd done he flat out lied about who he was mm-hmm. um th- there was no misunderstanding marvel you know didn't pick up uh they kind of like dropped the ball and actually getting to meet him but he proceeded to extend this lie so it's on him yeah definitely for up to a year. Yeah. Like, God damn. I have a hard time believing that nobody knew, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, so supposedly there were rumors and stuff like that, but nothing that was really confirmed until Bleeding Cool was basically forced him to admit it. Yep. There you so go. So sad. That's very <sighs> sad. Anyway, so guys, um, moving right along, 
what uh, book are we reading today, Kristen? Well, today we are reading multiple um, volumes of uh, a zine. We're not reading a comic today. We are reading um, multiple volumes of Santa Susia. And yeah. this is a, uh, a zine that we picked up at um, the, El, the Latino Comics Expo um, a couple of weekends ago. And um, we bought the first four issues. Is that how you refer to zines, issues? Uh, yes, because it says issue two here. Oh, yeah, yeah. issue. Issue. <laughs> uh, so we picked up the first four issues. Now, Santa Susia, as it is uh, described right in the very first issue, it started as a joke. Uh, this, the two, uh, creators are, uh, Isabel on, uh, Isabel Ann Castro and, uh, Natasha Hernandez. And, um, it says, Santa Susia started as a joke. Praying we weren't pregnant. And shit to this brown, not-so-virgin saint. Eventually, I wanted to create a zine where mujeres can project their voices and tell it like it is. Unapologetic and unfiltered, it became apparent that this is necessary. People can identify and console one another. I couldn't imagine anyone better than Natasha to help me do this. Mil gracias to all my chicas and homies who have shown incredible support for me in all my endeavors. So that's um, Isabel talking about um, why they started it. And uh, Natasha was actually... Actually, on the uh, Latina Power panel, and um, just hearing them talk about, uh, hearing her talk about why they started it, and just a, an outlet for women to come together to um, just talk about what it means to be Latina, what it means to be female. Um, just, I was telling Jen on the drive over here that. Every single one of these issues spoke to the goth emo 16-year-old inside of me. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. And very, so deeply. Like, some of these were stuff that, and I still have my, I didn't have a diary. I had a notebook me too. that I wrote stories, I wrote notes yeah, on. Me too. Um, in between math classes, and that I wrote, like, little entries into yeah and in the sidelines i wrote my emo poetry <laughs> i have emo poetry oh my god do you have emo poetry oh absolutely let's do just our freaking emo poetry i ha i have to dig it out but i didn't have a dire um i I, it was a diary, but it was a three-ring binder that I would just add lined paper to. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was pretty consistent for, like, a couple of years writing every day. Mm -hmm. And it was about, I would say, eighth grade to freshman year. So that was a lot of some drama right there. And then I was inconsistent <laughs> throughout the rest of the high school years. But I had a little journal that I would write um, poetry that I just uh, found and enjoyed, mm -hmm. um, poetry that I found in the the back pages of like um, of like Sixteen magazine or Seventeen magazine <laughs> or whatever it's called, but also poetry that I wrote. And mm -hmm. it's funny because when I look back on it now, I told my husband, "Oh my gosh, if my mother or anybody else would have read this back then, they would have like put me on a, a seventy-two watch? hour suicide watch." <laughs> yes, because like, that's. I just found a book of mine. Speaking of which, I, I have been trying to clean up, and I found a book of mine, and I and I didn't read anything. I just opened it up. I'm like, oh my god, thank God nobody found this because that yeah. would have been on suicide watch. Yeah, because <laughs> I I wrote I drew pictures. I wrote 
I did little like collages and mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so morbid. Yeah, <laughs> you all are lucky because guess who got found oh. out when she was, when she was 15 and oh, she was the worst age the the worst age oh. and i was just like uh, i was i was i was bullied a lot um, uh, in middle school and high school and so i just as an outlet and I, and i would like if i ever saw a kid doing this even now too i would be like oh my god are you okay right like but <laughs> what i what i did was like not only did i drew, draw like little pictures of like me supposedly committing suicide but also of my bully the people who were bullying me oh. were in very compromising situations yeah and my mom was my mom straight up took me to church and she was like we're not leaving here until you pray the sin away and i'm just oh, like oh wow yeah wow and then i was uh of course taken to a therapist <laughs> wow yeah wow it was a, a rough age jeez yeah so okay yeah Wow, quince. That that's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. I mean, when you're 17, you kind of have a little bit more of a thicker skin. So, mm-hmm. but at 15, you're so open and vulnerable yeah. and closed and dealing with all these emotions. And then for her to find your into your secrets, it's like I can't even imagine it. And I, I, I would die, damn it. <laughs> and uh, not to talk down about religion or anything like that. I personally am not religious. Mm-hmm. But um, just developmentally, religion is so very difficult for teenagers to grasp mm-hmm. onto because of where they are developmentally and cognitively and just like um, what really matters to teens at that age. Um, giving your power away to something that is like this existential mm-hmm. entity that you're just told to put all your faith into that's really difficult for a teenager mm-hmm. and um so especially for the very serious um uh, issue of depression and uh going through uh all the anxiety and mm-hmm. everyday crazy that being a teenager entails um being told to pray it away, mm-hmm. uh, I can see how the next day when it all was fucking still right there, you'd be like, you know, why does God hate me? Oh, oh, oh absolutely. No. Oh, I'm, I'm okay with my religion now. Even then, not really. I'm not. A, I'm not exactly a good Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> as for as per the last episode, the Catholic guilt. The Catholic guilt is it. But I was so goddamn resentful. Yeah. And especially oh, yeah. after that, and the fact that uh, that's why I never brought up anything to my mom until mm-hmm. it all came crashing down when mm-hmm. I was in my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. And she, when she asked me, I remember when she asked me like, oh, she asked me like, why didn't you say anything to me? And I just like I I I had to bite my lips so hard that I bled, mm. and I was just like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, and I was like, "She's old school and everything," but I was just like, the, "There's a reason I didn't say anything now, and I'm not gonna say anything in it because I know what your response is gonna be, and it's gonna be pray to God." Mm-hmm. And sometimes you know God ain't gonna fix this. This is how God made me. Like, yeah, that's that's that's, that's a, a great line right there. God isn't going to fix this. 
This is how God made me. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And it's just like that's like I said, I've I've come a long way since high school and being resentful and like being like uh, I I was like just on purpose. Well, I only did it once, but I told I told my mom and I told my cuz this was also around the age where I was going to confirmation classes. And I they of course. Uh, yeah, and so <laughs> and so I I basically said and I was like I'm just like I'm just going to be an atheist. So when I said that one, not only did they call my mom, <laughs> they made me sit down with not only the priest, oh but God. also the confirmation lady instructor, uh, instructor, yeah. and the not the instructor and the like the lady who runs the entire thing as well. And they're like, "We're concerned about your daughter." This is all in Spanish. We're concerned about your daughter and her response. And I wanted to die right oh. there on the spot. And I was just like. Fucking hell! <laughs> that that is when I knew that it was okay to lie in church. <laughs> because if this was gonna be the response, I'm gonna lie my ass oh. off. Oh, 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 I lied. I told uh, I told everybody um, I was doing my first communion, and before you do your first communion, you have to do your first confession. And I was scared shitless because I I was a bad little kid. I thought in my head. I, I mean, in you retrospect, weren't. I was so good. Because I didn't want to get beat with the chancla. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so, I um, came up with some story about why I couldn't go to um, to catechism that day. <laughs> and my I was a latchkey kid, so I actually would go to catechism Same. with a friend of my mother's who would take us all together well i came up with some reason why i couldn't go um i didn't go i knew it was confession that day and um and so we just skipped right over it and then somehow i guess the people who were in charge of keeping paperwork at the catechism place just asked me did you do it and i said yes and they just checked it off and that was it <laughs> oh I, wow i've never Ooh. in my life done confession oh no, i've never done it and i went you best believe i went and put that wafer right in my mouth <laughs> wow well you're like you, your shit is next level dude and, and also uh i'm a godmother i and when you're uh you're you're, yeah you have to go yes to um to uh class it. i was at i went to class i was there and they ask you and they make you fill out this paper that did you do this did you do this have you Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The second time I lied in church. <laughs> you, oh, wow. Wow. It took me until 15 to get comfortable with it. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. You know, I think, and I'm thinking right now, that must be the reason why you do your uh, uh confirmation when you're like 15 16 because that way yes uh, that's what it means you're confirming Mm -hmm. because up until then your parents are making all those choices for you Mm -hmm. yeah even then 15 16 you bet your ass i didn't want to (laughs) go of course (laughs) the only reason i went was because one my cousin said she was going and when, once my cousin said she was going, my mom was just like, oh, you have to go. You too. have to go. Yeah. And then, and then so like. Like fight club. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta fight. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go. And so we both went together and stuff like that. And I, I liked hanging out with my cousin and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, confirmation was basically, uh, like an actual, an unneeded level of high school. 
Oh, um, yes. Yeah. And, and then you're stuck with, like, a whole different group of people not from your school because they're not yeah. different mm-hmm. schools yeah. mixed into one. Mm-hmm. And then you're going at night and on weekends. and ugh. Yeah. I uh, I never, after con- communion, I never went back to catechism, I don't think. I didn't do confirmation. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do any of that stuff. And my parents were just only, uh, I mean, we were Catholic, but uh, we only would go to church on Easter and Mother's Day, which I felt, I feel is like, and obviously <laughs> when people died and got yeah. married. But um, those those two holidays, for whatever reason, were the only days we used to go to church. And I I I have identified as being an atheist since high school. But I always would go to church because it was important to my grandmother. Right, mm-hmm. right. Even now, it's about. I feel bad when I have when I don't go to church on Sundays. Even now, even though I haven't been going for a while because <laughs> I work Sundays. But I feel bad like that Catholic guilt. I also feel bad when I take the communion, even though I didn't do confession. Y'all are freaking crazy. I cannot believe it. Hey, like, you're supposed to do it every week, technically, but your girl ain't got time for that. No, I know, but just don't take the wafer. I I take it anyway. (laughs) I'm hungry that early in the morning, right? (laughs) No, I I don't go up there unless I I, uh, confess. And, and so like, I don't go up there. Because, you know, before you do it, you're supposed to, like, pray and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and like, like, even, like, in the yes. in church itself, you're supposed yes. to, that's my confession. And God, the priests don't need to know nothing. Yeah. And everything is just between me and God, and that's yeah. it. That, mm-hmm. That's that's how I see it. Like, I did yeah. my confession. God knows my sins. God knows me. God was God there when you did them. <laughs> God, God was right there watching. Hey, he says he's always watching. He's like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. You guys. Is hey. it a sin to masturbate? No. Yes. Is it? Yeah, yeah. shit. It's <laughs> it. <laughs> I, will, so I, I will stick with my atheism. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it's definitely. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Because I, I was it. They teach you. It's a, sin, it's a sin to masturbate. It's just like uh, it's it's considered a form of adultery, I guess. Uh, with yourself? With your, yeah, I, I just took a, I took a step my almost, the whole, I, I've been cheating on my husband. <laughs> like, uh, like, it's, it's a thing, it's like, um, I guess, but it's supposed to be considered a sin and something about, like, uh, where do you think the phrase do not do, do not do with your, with your hand, something about, uh, well, as you do something with your, your left hand and your right hand. Something about hands. <laughs> and also, how about like you know, like when you're so, when you do the prayer and everything, and then you know you're using this hand for something. Yeah, they always just say to use that hand for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Anyways, wasn't it because they used to wipe their butt with their left hand? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Who that's knows? why. That's why you say hi with your right hand. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's, that's. But anyways, it is. So look, I typed in is masturbate. I didn't even finish the word shun, and the very first thing that Google comes up with is. Is a sin. Aww. No, I mean, is masturbation a sin? So, yeah. people all over the world <laughs> are watching. Uh, you heard it here first. It's, it's a sin. Wow. It's, it's and a it, sin. It, that is followed by, is masturbation harmful? Is masturbating once a day bad? Is masturbation an addiction? And uh, round it out with, is masturbation good for your heart? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Circulation. 
Hey, I, I know masturbation is a sin, but I still fucking do it. Like, totally. I have multiple oh toys. Oh, my God. No, you, 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 just, you just yourself said that you didn't know it was a sin. Right, so. yeah. And I'm not out of wedlock, so, like, I know. Like, I ain't, I ain't married. I, I do it. It says, Jesus speaks against having lustful thoughts and says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but the good news, everybody, is that I'm left-handed. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, but my it's God. True. It's true. Oh, my God. No, you see, because they took that out of context. And look, I've taken two fucking courses in this. And I and I honestly thought about going into, like, you know, um, uh, theology and stuff for a brief moment because I was just like, this shit's interesting. But I that, think it's very, I, you know, uh, ironically, I also uh, thought yeah. about going into theology because I find world religion super, super interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fascinating. And I'm, um, and I can actually, I can't separate the Bible, you know, as like the word of God from Bible as literature. Mm-hmm. I can do that. Uh, and which we'll call it, but, um, uh, that itself was the whole like about robbing or something about like and stuff like that. But the people of the Catholic Church took this as like every kind of sin and yeah. there's masturbation too. So they were yeah. just like, yeah. Well. Santa Susia has led us down a deep hole. <laughs> a, deep. <laughs> <laughs> a, a very crazy, uh, a, a very religion. crazy hole. But but it's actually super. It's, um, it's I was gonna say super um, <clears throat> relevant to what we're talking about because these girls who are Latina, who grew up religious, grew up Catholic, they go to church every Sunday. Um, she was talking about, you know, they they have their rosary, they have their crosses, they have, you know, their uh, virgen little ne- uh, necklaces and bracelets mm-hmm. that they wear. But at the same time, they're just being women. They're out, you know, out there partying mm-hmm. and having a good time and trying to reconcile uh, what it's like to be a woman, to be Latina, to be uh, dating and going through all of these life experiences and reconciling that with your very, very strict religion and your probably very, very strict abuelita giving you the evil eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you're sitting there, acruda in the, in the pews. <laughs> I've only gone to church once with a hangover. And let me tell you, I felt so fucking bad. Like, I was just like, I felt awful now that's the one day that i didn't take the osia because i was just all like who i really do need to confess with my ass for this <laughs> um I, I, I don't know i think it was in the first book i was trying to look for my notes but um there was a one poem that was like uh um my saints are are right next to my breast close to my heart and i thought oh. that was awesome yes oh, yeah. yes i know which one you're talking about i remember that one yeah so uh there are some um multiple in each of the issues of Santa Susia mm-hmm. there are multiple um uh like installments that were uh, sent in by women all over i mean if mm-hmm. you look at the uh at the bottom of each of the page it shows the name of the creator of the writer or artist depending on what the um what the medium was cuz there's paintings in here there's 
photos, mm-hmm. there's poems, there's just free writing stories. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all kinds of awesome things. Um, but just in flipping through, and uh, I think uh, these those women were from Texas, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so, um, oh yeah, San Antonio. So yeah. we have in in the first issue quite a few of the entries were from Texas, but um, you let's see, and it, and later, yeah, I there's a. Mm-hmm. One in here from Los Angeles, but in later issues, they talk about how they just um, started in issue one by asking their friends to mm-hmm. submit. But by the end of issue four, and there was multiple other issues available mm-hmm. at um, Latino Comics Expo, but I just was able to pick up two of them, and then Jen picked up two. But um, by the end, the word spread all over, and they were getting um, submissions from all over. And in uh, issue four, you see that there's um, a lot more different representation Mm -hmm. of women from around. By issue three, you got people from Chicago, Northridge, California, Portland, uh, Brooklyn, Tepic, Nayarit, Mexico. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mexico, really? Jeronimo, Texas. Salinas, California. Salinas. Salinas. Los Angeles, California, San Antonio, Texas. Chicago and everything. So, um, well, for me, um, this is the first scene I actually read. And then I read uh, for, uh, I actually read three issues. Um, I was in love with this. I'm like, why didn't I know about this sooner? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I I now realize that I made a zine in high school uh, <laughs> that I'm going to find and we're going to read on a oh poetry corner. But <laughs> we should put all of our uh, oh in one our, yes um, and do a commodity comic like zine. What, like uh, what did we call it? Teen years. Commodity comics. What did we say? Something poetry. But yeah, um, we should. That would be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I have a zine somewhere. It's, it's in storage somewhere. I, I gotta find it. But, um, uh, yeah, I just was like, this is amazing. I, I completely fell in love with this medium. Uh, now I want to know what else is out there. And, and, and I want to oh, have a lot of issues. Oh, and I want to know how can I subscribe to this so it could arrive to me, like, I wonder. In the mail, like, every day. I, ha- I haven't checked uh, to see. If they have a website or anything, yeah, but I bet they do. They have a Gmail where you can ent- uh, submit oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it says right here, order um, mm-hmm. at www, um Santa Susia, Santa Susia, which is this S T S U C I A dot big cartel dot com. So Ooh. you could order there. Excellent. Yeah. But um, it's quite extraordinary. I, I would have to say, like, if you're a Latina female, yes. even if you're a guy, I yes. think just to get a, a, a scope inside our hearts. And I mean, mm-hmm. we have stories in here about women who were in domestic violence relationships, uh, women who, I was like, these look like my boobies. <laughs> There's a picture the in here. Uh, Chupame los uh, pezones uh, yeah. is uh, the title of a um, a photo that's in here is just of a woman with um, who's topless, but it's like done artistically. And mm-hmm. when I looked at them, I was like, "Oh, those look like my, my like my boobs." <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, yeah, so women uh, dating and trying to just find themselves, um, women in school and just being really overwhelmed with just different things. Um, my favorite was um, in issue one where um, oh, I, there was two actually, um, but my my 
favorite in issue one was 10 things I learned about relationships via Selena lyrics. And great. I, oh my gosh, it started off with little snippets of songs, uh, uh like little different stanzas from different, 10 of her different songs. Mm-hmm. And then just, uh, kind of a, a little, like, uh, relating it to, uh, things that all women have gone through. For example, mm-hmm. um, uh, number seven was, um, from La, La, La Carcacha? No, La, yeah. La Carcacha? La Carcacha. Uh-huh, La Carcacha. Uh, and, uh, the, the lyric was, Tampoco será el más guapo, pero si sí es mi novio fiel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the little, uh, ex, excerpt after is girl you need to not sweat what anyone else thinks about your man as long as he treats you like the queen you are buys you tacos and isn't ashamed to tell the world you're his one and only number one chola you're set he may not be benny the jet rodriguez in everyone's eyes but if he's good to you that's the important thing yeah exactly and i, I love, love the benny one. the jet rodriguez reference. <laughs> 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 for those of you who don't remember that's the super cute guy from sandlot <laughs> the little Latino boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Uh, for me, I read, uh, um, I got to uh, talk about today is issue two. And this mm-hmm. is Sarah. And I have multiple little uh, snippets that I love. This was one of my favorite issues. Uh, I wish you daughters. Oh, yes. Yeah. yes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's a, it's a kind of a long poem, but basically it's like um, kind of coming down on Men who kind of say apes, yeah, mamacita, mm-hmm. shake it but don't break it. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know what? Me, yeah, I never no. get words. I always just get the, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what the? Like what? Dude, the weirdest I one. Fucking hate it. Yes. I do too. Yes, exactly. So um, this one kind of breaks down how, what we all think and feel. Um, and one of the things I really liked was um, uh, I Wish You Daughters, which is basically like towards the end of this poem was like, did you forget you have a mom? Yeah. Do you yeah. have sisters? I Wish You Daughters, pretty much meaning I hope you have a daughter mm-hmm. just so that you can picture what you're doing to me. Right. Somebody else doing it to your daughter, mm-hmm. which has been something that I've thought about for so long, but never really put into words until I read this poem, mm-hmm. which I was like, I love it. Loved it. Um, there was another one, which was uh, a poem for my period. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. How that one ends. Yeah, I remember oh. that one. A poem for my period. Which, <laughs> that, that, how it ended was cool. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it actually, um, you know, because a lot of the things, uh, you know, uh, pro-choice and stuff like that, but nobody was really discussing, like, the, the want for kids or the kind of, like, one of the things that she mentioned in this poem was, like, curse you because you're just a reminder of that I don't have a child. Right. You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I was like, oh, this is so me. But yeah, no, it it was perfect. I mean, from, you know, the hormonal imbalance that her boyfriend doesn't, the only body fluid her boyfriend doesn't want to exchange with her. And I was like, oh my God, you're looking into my soul. But yeah, I mean, it's just so, oh God, so talented. These writers are so talented. 
and they take basic things that we all live and yes. they, mm-hmm. and they and, and they put it in such an art form and I I just love it. I mean, I think regardless uh if you're not Latina, if you're not a woman, you, there's probably something in here that will resonate with you, but oh my god, if you are, mm-hmm. like it does. It speaks to your soul on many different levels. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the things that I really love cuz it also has mm-hmm. little kind of photography and uh drawings and paintings um, hopefully, uh, eventually, they can maybe even publish a zine with some color in it. Because mm. I would really like to see, like, the color within some of these paintings and drawings. But what I really enjoy from these zines are these uh, 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 screenshots of text. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, this guy goes on to describe their, you know, devouring each other's bodies on the weekend and how I told you you smelled like cactus and I spent nights on that desert. Like, just so poetic. Mm-hmm. And she and she's like, wash your face with my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I love you. Who are you? My spirit animal? <laughs> but, um, she is... Uh, like, it's just a, a moniker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, you're so cool. Um, yeah, there's so many things. I mean, there are some things that I just love, like little snippets of, like, words, like demasiado tarde, uh, uh, eat the mal and toss the husk. I mean, that just spoke to me. Like, yeah. that's what we yeah. do. It's like mm-hmm. life. And there are, um, in some of the issues, they, the um, excerpts were all, um, the submissions were all in English, but there were a few in here that were completely in Spanish. Now, I had to read those out loud because I needed to hear it to understand it. I couldn't just read it. Um, but uh, and just like in uh, music, words in Spanish and a lot of the messages that were kind of, they're just so much more powerful in mm. in that language. Yeah, it's true. And I'm. Uh, what I kind of liked, and you could see this in all the issues, was the different kind of Spanish. In, yes. Uh, oh, in, yes. Yeah. In er, in everything, um, because uh, there was some words that I had to look up mm-hmm. because I did not know what they were. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was in the first issue. There was one. I can't remember. Oh, the hookah, the one that meant la- lazy. Oh, fodonga. Fodonga. Oh, you didn't know that? I've never heard of fodonga. Oh wow! Uh-huh. It was like a staple in my childhood. I've never heard that. Or, or like, I've heard oh, huevona. Yeah, huevona. Yeah, that, too. Uh, that too, but uh, like I would put my hair in a bun and mm-hmm. then I'd take a shower and be in my sweats on Saturday and it's like, oh, we're going out. And I'm like, oh, I gotta go change. Por estar de fodonga. I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was a staple in my, my childhood. That's Mexican, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's just like, because as I was telling Kristen, like, I grew up in, like, uh, basically three cultures because um, we used to live next door to my godparents and, like, my cousins themselves and who um, uh, who they marry. Well, not they themselves married, but their parents. Um, uh, And basically Mexican, Salvadorian, and Guatemalan. Those Mm -hmm. were the three Mm -hmm. that I am comfortable with, but I had never heard of Fodonga. I was just like, damn, what is this? Yeah, I never yeah. heard it either. So I had to, there was also another one that started with a B that I had never heard and I had to look it up. And I don't remember what it was. So I was going to write down a note, but then I was just like, oh wait, they're going to. Well, I remember when you told me that mm-hmm. and then when I read it, I was like, oh, I, this is what she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't heard it either, but I don't remember which one it was. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Sarah. One of the things I loved of issue one was ask me about my abortions. 
Yes. Yeah. I yes. thought that was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because yeah. people are always talking about childbirth and the miracle of life and being a mother and the greatest gift of all and mm-hmm. children are a blessing. Mm-hmm. So, like, what? Sorry, I've gone on so far. <laughs> it's, it's hard to come back. Yeah. Um, one of the things my husband and I were saying were like, uh, when people are like, oh, do you want to have kids or are you going to have kids? And they're like, no, we don't want blessings. And then they're like, what are you talking about? And I go, because <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Cause you guys always say, oh, children are a blessing. Even, you know, like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, people have kids and they don't plan for them. And it's like, oh, it's a blessing. Yeah, like, oh, you know, finances are sucking right now. But I, I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. Whatever. <laughs> like, so we always roll our eyes. We're like, well, we're not blessed. <laughs> so there but yeah that you know that spoke to me that asked me about my abortions because mm-hmm. it should be something people can talk about without being mm-hmm. stigmatized or yeah. looked or down without upon. being iffy upon it yeah yeah i i like that one that one was cool um what is that that one that you're seeing you know oh my god i love that one yeah <laughs> oh i thought of you jen when i read that one yeah oh look there is God, oh my God! There was a Yu-Gi-Oh person that came in today too, um, and I, I had to stop myself. Jen feels that. some type of way about Yu-Gi-Oh oh, players, absolutely. and it's not positive, dude. And I confirmed <laughs> that theory at East LA Comic Con. You did. I, I did. knew. I told I you my like, theory. I told you. And my I was theory. like, no way, Jen must be wrong. But then when that happened, that moment happened, and I was like, oh my God, Jen was so right. I'm. I'm I was correct. like, I had no idea. I know what I speak of. <laughs> But it's true. She was like, oh, I hooked up with him before he disclosed this information about being in Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments. And I was like, oh, I, can, I can understand your pain. But it was mm-hmm. it was a great little story. I loved it. Yeah. I loved almost all of these. These were all amazing. Did you guys take good. the quiz in the first issue? Yes. I got, I got a lot of B's and C's. Uh, uh, I, I didn't pay attention. I, no, I just read them. What was the response again? You tell me which one. I'll tell you which one I was. Well, she has. Uh, okay. You are a dama for mostly A's, mm-hmm. mostly B and B, <laughs> mostly B's. You are a uh, sirena, uh, mostly C's, chalupa, uh-huh. and D's, diabla. <laughs> well, I was like chalupa. The the, uh, the diabla made me laugh. Bathe in holy water, take two <laughs> aspirin, and call me when your moral and physical hangover goes away. <laughs> I will tell my abuelita to light a candle <laughs> for you. <laughs> Oh, I need some girls who are straight up diablas. Oh, well, yeah, I know. But yeah, no, um, I mostly got bees. Oh, okay, so yeah. Sirena, you Sirena. keep it real in all aspects of life. Never change, but maybe put a shirt on once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I'm in West Hollywood. <laughs> I got La Chalupa. So, Chalupa, take a shower because you smell like beans, fried, and bacon fat. Also, please come to our next party. You are the party. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds about right. Yeah. But, no, I greatly enjoyed that one. That was really cute. Um, I really liked, it was heart-wrenching, and just, there was just something about it, and I don't remember what it was called, and I don't remember what issue it was in, but it was about the girl who was just so freaking desperate for connection that she would meet up with, um, I don't know, you might not have read it, but she would meet up oh, with Tinder people in parking lots. Modern lot. Addict. Issue three. Modern Addict. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. She, that would be Her so addiction amazing. was yeah, emotion. Yeah, her, her addiction was emotion, and so wow. she would just uh, hook up with uh, random, uh, random Tinder 
people and just meet them and have sex with them in her car um, and just want that emotion, emotional connection with somebody. And she was trying to do that through sex when, of course, all the guys wanted was just to have sex. Mm -hmm. But just the the way that she was just talking about um, what was going through her mind as she was meeting them and and what she wanted from them and then also knowing just what they uh, were there for it was just it was so heartbreaking um, and, uh, that one was really really well written mm-hmm. cool. my favorite one was from Aisha three as well and it was the last one it was, it was a poem paleta or orange and in itself like the poem itself i was just like i wasn't the girl with like tres novios when i was in elementary school mm-hmm. i was the opposite <laughs> but the forever feelings, alone <laughs> yeah but the feelings captioning it i could entirely relate because it says like right here um uh and towards the end of the po- poem i sit on the concrete back steps of our house and make love to a chocolate paleta i lick it in the sun the mota and heat and age make it orgasmic I am consumed by the ice cream and the feel of my of my tongue on its rough and melted smooth texture. But there were days I sat in the same spot and felt all the bumpy hills wet sweet of a half-chewed whole orange. My face sticky, tongue tired, wondering what it all meant. Mm. Paleta or orange. You know? <laughs> Whether you want the dick or you want pussy. <laughs> Wow, you just opened my mind. What, you didn't know? I didn't. She didn't read that one. Oh, yeah, read, that's right. I didn't get to read that one. And no, I was like, paleta or orange, but they're so different. <laughs> now you know why. Yeah. I, I was sitting here thinking and I was like, God, that's so beautiful for something so simple as eating a, a paleta or an orange. And then mm-hmm. I was like, but what does it mean? It's so different. <laughs> you blew my mind, Jen. You just blew my mind. And it's just like, and it's just like, when I was in high school, there I had very few crushes on guys. Mm-hmm. Very, very few. We're talking about like maybe one guy every year and a half I kind of had a crush on. But then I was just like, uh, never mind, we're friends, we're cool. Yeah. Um, but, and at the time I didn't know this, but girls. Like, I would, I would just, like, look at them, and they would be like, why are you looking? And I was just like, oh, I was just like, oh, you look pretty today. Mm-hmm. And it was just, they were, they were just compliments, and they're like, oh, you're so nice. Turns out they were gay compliments. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, in, oh, man, I just stuck it in my gum. In the, um, it the first issue, um, my grandmother used to always call me Susia. <laughs> not not for the reasons in the book, but and even now my husband doesn't know the word, but if he did, he'd call me Susia because I hate taking showers. <laughs> we do not need to know that. I do on the weekends. Like if I don't have anywhere to go, I just want like relax and like sit in the couch and I'll be like, oh, I I feel gross, but I don't want to take a shower. I'm lazy. <laughs> He tells me I'd be an amazing pirate. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know he loves me. I always would, like, be playing outside with no shoes on. And, like, um, my mother would, she, when I would take baths, because I was a little tomboy, and I would be out in the dirt, like, on my hands and knees, crawling and playing, whatever, she would freaking take Ajax and a washcloth. (laughs) To wash my knees. <laughs> Damn, she pulled out the hacks. <laughs> the hacks. Oh my god. Wow. wow. I 
remember that clearly she would take out the Ajax and wash my knees. Damn, next level shit. What? Excuse me. Um, but yeah. that's an aside. There's one in issue one called He Had Me at Fideo. Mm-hmm. And I have not thought of Fideo in such a freaking long time. But it was one of my favorite things that my grandmother used to make. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple when you think mm-hmm. about it. Um, and as a child, I thought it was a special thing. Because she didn't make it all the time, but when she made it, it was just so good. And not until I read this story did I realize that she made fideo when she didn't have any money, because that's all that we oh, could afford. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, la, la sopita de fideo was, so and then fideo. if you were, if you had a little extra money, then you'd throw some, some cheese in it. Mm-hmm. Or chicken. Mm-hmm. Or an egg. Or, or an egg. Mm-hmm. But um, usually that didn't happen. You just had sopa. Yes. When mm-hmm. That was probably uh, at the beginning of the month <laughs> because everything's due. But, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. And, and in the story, she has a friend that um, that she really got along with. And at first she judged him uh, oh. uh, well, because of the fact that he, he had, had a, a gringo, a gringo name. name. He had a gringo look. Yes. Yeah. And but he went to private school. And he went to, to private, private school. school. Yeah. Um, but it turns out that he he wasn't. He had um, he a Mexican a, mom, right? A, yeah, I think so. His dad was Irish. His dad was yeah, Irish. yeah, yeah. And he, even him, I think he was third generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm um, a uh, Latino. So Mexican, Mexican the whole story is about how they became good friends, and that she was really super embarrassed to bring him over to her house because she she felt like they lived in a poor neighborhood, and the house was not just grand big. Thing. And I then, connected her with her when she said that she was embarrassed about having friends over and seeing her dad with her beer belly, with his yeah. beer belly and his pony. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like, and then she figured out that that's everybody's dad right. in, the, <laughs> in the projects, and I was just like, oh shit, same. Yeah, and it says later on in life, I soon learned that this was nearly everyone's father on the south side, um, but. Um, and she was embarrassed of the fideo because she knew that it was because they were poor, or that's at least what she thought. Um, but that uh, when he got there, he was like, oh, my God, I love fideo. Uh-huh. And uh, she thought that he was going to think poorly of her and her family, but he was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. I love it. And that's when she found out that he came from a big Mexican family. And I love that it says the moment I knew he was, that was the moment I knew he was the one, and I was right. And then it said he had, the last line is, he had me at Fideo. And then, oh, my God, I swear to God, a little tear came out of my eye when you see that it is signed, um, Anivina Hernandez Prater, which is, Aww, it was his last name. name. So yeah. she ended yeah. up marrying him. She ended yeah. up marrying him. Yeah. Yeah, because she, uh, I related to her in that story where, uh, because she said that she judged people by how they looked or where they came from or what school they went to. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember feeling that way. Like, I had, like, such a, an inferiority kind of complex where I'm like, oh, they came from, you know, North High or Losinger or whatever, and I'm here from Gardena. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the way I would also think about people. Like, oh, yeah, she came from a private school. Like, her mm-hmm. education must be, like, way better than mine or whatever. Turns out I was just stupid, period. <laughs> <laughs> and unapplied to my studies. But, um, yeah, that kind of goes away as you grow older. But I could relate to her yeah. in that sense. And there was a moment where she's like, 
he said he told her that she stood out she goes of course I, and then in her head she's saying of course i stood out i'm brown right like yeah. um and i was like yeah i felt that way too mm-hmm. um so i understand that um but yeah it, uh, and it was wrong of her to think that he was just white where it was his dad who was white and his grandma made him fidel when he was growing yeah up. Uh-huh. so i thought that was really cute and he introduced himself as pratter um, which, is, which was his last name his first name was antonio yes mm-hmm. but the reason he did that was because he went to an all-boys uh right school which yeah. everybody was yeah was pretty much called by their last name right mm-hmm. so, so and i mean the story is just so um such an example of in so many different ways why first uh, impressions are often wrong and why it's always worth it for you to dig a little further and to get to know people a little bit better uh, underneath that superficial mm-hmm. um first impression that you have yeah absolutely Unless you're andrew <laughs> okay, it's a joke that I am unaware of. It okay. is very, he's an old deployee. <laughs> but uh, but you're you're absolutely right. When I first met Frank face to face, I thought, oh, he's handsome. Too bad he's not my type. Uh huh. And, and then guess what? We're yeah. married twice. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely love these scenes. Absolutely, I, I, you know, I want to participate. I want to be part of yeah. this. I cool, want to be. Definitely. I want to jump on this, on this, on this, uh, on this train, man. This, this stuff is really hey, amazing. I still write shitty poetry. They might accept it. I have. Yeah. I want to start I writing mean, shitty poetry again. <laughs> it's not shitty poetry. I loved all of this stuff. Yeah. No, you know no. What? I mean no. myself. Oh, are, like, I, like, I know, yeah. but what I'm saying is, your guys' is not shitty poetry either. <laughs> but uh, even though I haven't read it. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but I, I'm serious about this whole. Uh, uh, actually, we should just that's that should be the name of our zine, Commodity Comic Shitty Poetry. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. But I'm I'm totally serious uh, of doing uh, Commodity Comics the young uh, the, the 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 early years, years the yeah. teen years. I I think Ooh. it is it would be so. Uh, funny slash, uh, like, uh, profound in the worst way <laughs> to put these together. And we could give a little shout out to, uh, Santa Susia for, um, inspiring for really us. inspiring us all. You want my really old fan fiction? I have. You have fan fiction? <laughs> yeah. Oh. We're talking, this is when I was 12. Oh. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. That sounds Super titillating. <laughs> it's awful. It's just bad. I'm going to go clean. I the, think that would make it the best. I'm going to go clean our shed just to find my zine. I used to write short stories, too. Who knows where all oh, that stuff is? I have, yeah, I used to write short stories, too. I have a notebook somewhere. Yeah. It's just, I have specifically one that of my fiction that I used to write when I was in middle school. When I was in high school, and some small stuff that I did in college. Yeah. And you could, I look back on it just to see that I have improved. <laughs> I have improved, yeah. but oh my god. I also have every single note that was passed to me in junior high and high school. What? I say I used to come home and put them in shoe boxes. Um, 
separated by, by no by the person who gave it to me oh, so wow. each person had a box but then through the years that I've moved and gone from bigger places to smaller places with less um, space to um, to store things I've condensed them all into uh, smaller um, boxes so they're all mixed together but a, a couple of times uh, during the times that we've moved I would take a few out some of the ink um, or uh, pencil that was written in starts to fade Mm-hmm. But um, re- reading, oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. Reading what I was going through and my feelings and my emotions of back when I was like in freaking junior high and through high school. And when you read it, it was like a freaking like time continuum open. And it was like I remember the emotions. of It was like I was there. Uh, so it's. We should bring out like a a letter that we received, you know, like a like in passing in school. Uh huh. That should be part of our zine. Yeah. Yes. You know what? <laughs> I actually thought about it was kind of a a cool idea to like somehow take all the letters out and like try to put them chronological and like try to figure out a story that went with the letters and like publish them mm-hmm. but publish the letters but to create some sort of like fictional story around it oh that'd be oh. great that yeah. would be so cool did you guys i'm pretty sure this is because this is so common but did you guys and your teachers ever make you write a letter that you that to yourself to, to your future yes. self yes. and then deliver it to you like three years later? Uh, I never got any letters, but yes, I used to have to. I wrote some to myself, but I never got them. Yeah, my, my one of my teacher, well, my the one teacher who made us do it actually gave it back to us, oh. and this was after he had moved schools. Oh wow, he had Kevin. He was very sweet. Yeah, uh, and he was just like, "Oh hey guys, I'm here, and here's your letters to yourselves." That's cool. And man, I was a mean piece of shit. To myself. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read that letter. <laughs> I was you still have angry. It? I, yeah, I, I think I do because yeah. I was, I was, I was impressed with my younger self. I was just like, damn, <laughs> bitch, you were angry. <laughs> uh, but I, in my journal, mm-hmm. a lot of those were all letters to myself, and I would, mm-hmm. I, what, there was one entry that I read it now, and I'm like, oh my god, I was so <laughs> stupid. Where my friends and I got a hold of a Ouija board. And, <laughs> and the Ouija board um, was like saying like that, that the person we were talking to was the spirit of a child that I was going to have at some point, And that um, my other friend that was on the playing with it was going to die soon and I don't know, all kinds of silly stuff but in the entry in my journal I was like I feel a connection with him already and he says that his and his name was I don't know what and like and he's just a part of me oh, oh wow Maybe, oh wow oh my god uh, it's I'm some good stuff coming out of those journals <laughs> I love that. I love that. You <laughs> I I haven't read mine, but the the little that I read, you know, years ago, because I haven't cracked it open to actually read it. I'm just just like so uh, lonely and in need of love. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I felt like always talking about like the love that I didn't get from a certain boy, whoever it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, Ugh, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you are every uh, 13 through 16 year old girl on this planet. I know, but I was like, oh, I'm, I 
so disgusted with myself. Like, yeah. I could have done so much more. There was so much potential. Like, I, I didn't on have the to ride move. over here, I was just telling Jen, mm-hmm. if I could go back to high school with yeah. my 45-year-old mentality and knowledge and everything, oh, my God, I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, if yes. I had my memories and everything, I would... I would uh, most first, first and straight of all, there's this one girl that I just, uh, on the spot, would like be like, let's go out. <laughs> and if she says yes or no. Yes, you know what? There's a guy that on the spot, I would say the same. I say I would say, let's go out. I would, go I out. think, not a person, but I would definitely lose my virginity sooner. There was too much stigma around it, like that I was so afraid. Yeah. I was so really? afraid. I didn't, I didn't lose it until after, after college. I mean, after college, after high school. I ditched school to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had, um, we had a snack period. Mm-hmm. And during snack, I would go home and then uh, come right. Actually, I would, I was a peer counselor in high school. And so I would um, get passes and give them to my boyfriend to come out the period before snack. And then we would have that whole period plus snack to come back. So like a little over an hour. And uh, we went to... You didn't need an hour. So I had... <laughs> I was we, thinking the same thing. You didn't need an hour. <laughs> You're right. But um, we, uh, we went to my house and I remember I didn't even go back to school the rest of the day. Because I kind of had kind of planned it out in my head. I knew that this was what I was doing and this was what was going to happen or what I wanted to happen. But um, after it did, I felt so like everyone knew. Like as soon as they looked at me in my face that they were going to know. Or for sure he was going to go and tell everybody what had just happened. Who knows if he did or he didn't. But, I mean, we dated for six years. And I waited for a whole year and a half but we were dating two years before we had sex but um but yeah so uh, i was like i was the one who mm-hmm. was like okay it's gonna be today and this is the plan and he had no idea until he was literally already sticking it in that that's what i <laughs> wanted to do <laughs> wow. i i only lost it to this dude that i knew in high school and he wasn't very good no and i did it because i wasn't in a good situation I was emotionally, mentally, and everything. I wasn't in a good spot, and I was just all like, "Fuck it!" <laughs> like I was just, I literally, I was just like, "I don't need it. What the fuck is it for?" And the reason I didn't lose it in high school itself was one because I didn't like any of the boys. Yeah. And two, um, I Catholic guilt. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like Catholic guilt. Absolutely. Don't lose yep. your virginity. You're gonna go to hell if you don't lose it after you get married and all that or, shit. Or it's a gift. It's a gift. Or you or give it to somebody you love. Or, the, or some it's, bullshit it's like that. Different for <laughs> them. Like it's different for men, but it's <laughs> it's more emotional and a connection for women. Yeah. Something that you can't just freely give. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Do you know that I was like total slut afterwards? <laughs> like it didn't even matter. It didn't even matter. Yeah. Like, I missed out on some good. Who knows what I missed out on? Because I had sex with the same guy all through high school. Uh. I didn't didn't have sex with anyone else until my junior junior year of college. Mm -hmm. Um, You know what I just realized? My cousin listens to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, G. You're going to just learn a bunch of stuff you didn't know. (laughs) 
Keep looking out, though. Keep, hey, keep, but thanks keep for cool. listening. Oh, thank just, you for listening. Just kidding. <laughs> no, there's no kidding. But, um, but in essence, this is the kind of emotions and memories and feelings that very, mm-hmm. that come out when you read Santa Susia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's kind of a walk down memory lane slash what you feel now. Mm-hmm. So it's like a mm-hmm. a powerful set of ideas, stories, and poems from powerful women who have had these thoughts in the past and and have gone through these experiences in their youth. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's um and I mean and I'm saying that it had me in touch with my 16 year old self, but the reality is is that these emotions are with me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these stories in here, there's women who are referencing the fact that they're in their 30s mm-hmm. uh, and you know they're older. And even though I said that it it, it made me uh, think about and be in touch with my my 16 uh, year old self, I also my ethos emo goth self, I also realized that I kind of missed her. Um, yeah, I miss some parts of her. (laughs) Not all, but yeah. I mean, the part that I missed is the part that, um, and I'm, I'm very self-aware, I think, Mm -hmm. but, um, who had, who would take the time, not even had the time, but who would take the time to sit down and write my feelings and my emotions and Mm -hmm. everything down, uh, and to really just, um, take that special time for myself. And, uh, and I used to enjoy it. The first thing that I ever wanted to be before anything else used to be a writer. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I never, I never followed through with that because I I was an only child for a the first 12 years of my life and reading was like my thing uh mm-hmm. and so writing was just like the natural progression to mm-hmm. that uh, after that um it turned to a uh, super spy but i didn't do either <laughs> of them so <laughs> and you now now here i am in the comic book business <laughs> you want, now that you mention it yeah i kind of miss it i just i kind of don't miss the a lot of the feelings there was a lot of self hatred mm-hmm. a lot oh, God, I'm a yes. lot better with that now yeah. I'm just I, like, I, I, I and for so sure too. me too uh-huh. I'm, I'm gonna tell you uh, I mean you we're talking about the whole depression and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. and I left it there to this day it's there mm-hmm. I open uh, up my thing with all my crazy poetry and everything and wrapped in um, wrapped in tissue paper is uh, a straight razor blade oh wow. Yep. <laughs> wow. See, I didn't go that far. Uh huh. Really? Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh, I. <laughs> I believe I, I mentioned it here. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I was, I was I was doing the whole slit wristing thing, and I was hospital the thing too. Yeah. I I used mm-hmm. to cut myself. I did not. Um, I I I would take like um, mechanical pencils mm-hmm. and like carve shit into my skin. Oh yeah. Wow. Paper clips. Wow. Yeah. And then the what when the you see that I think that's the what the, that you were able to find it and everything that that in itself is really cool and really significant as well and it, it adds a bit and even now maybe not back then but even now I think it adds a bit of like artistry to it like uh, yeah 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 but like all of mine were confiscated for me uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they found out, man, I couldn't get near anything sharp within a five foot radius. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's a there's a, a letter I wrote to my mom in Spanish, in my choppy Spanish, when mm-hmm. I was I don't know like sixteen or seventeen, 
and it made reference to I didn't know what was wrong with me because I didn't have a boyfriend mm-hmm. and nobody <laughs> liked me and I felt that I may have been gay and uh-huh. my mom and I gave it to my mom and she was old school so it was like what the heck am no, I gonna do with you? Did she say never mention to this to me again? No, 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 she didn't, no, it just was something that she was like, oh, shit, my kid has problems. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she, she kept it, and I actually have it, it's in, um, it's in a fireproof, uh, uh, se- uh security box. Interesting. That's where she left it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'm afraid to read it, cause I'm like, ah, it must be really hurtful for her to read, because I remember, some things that I wrote in there, mm-hmm. but it was ha- hard for me because she actually had boyfriends growing up, and I thought, you know, am I weird? Mm-hmm. Why can't I have one? It wasn't mm-hmm. really because she, they said I couldn't have one. I just didn't attract anyone, mm-hmm. and I felt there was something wrong with me, like beauty standards. Maybe not beauty standards. I thought I was just like so odd that people would just did not want to have anything to do with me, mm-hmm. like in that sense. And then people would say it out loud, God, Sarah, you're so weird. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 15. Do you know what that does to me? Mm-hmm. There are times that I felt pride in when they said it, but there were times that it really did hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of course, <clears throat> it, during a time where as human beings, no matter if we're female or male, mm-hmm. uh, the number one objective is to fit in. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. <laughs> and I get it. Yeah, at it all. wasn't until I was 17 where I basically said fuck this to mm-hmm. everything and I really finally like started really getting into my like fitting into like my role of weird. It wasn't that I was weird too cuz the weird stuff it is there's a lot of weird people as in an inner city school. Uh, it's just finding out what kind of weird you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, and that's why to this day when I meet young uh, weird boys, I think, God, you're like 30 years too late. Like, <laughs> where were you when I was growing up? Like, that could have been us. We could have been something. But, yeah, no, I always... <laughs> but, yeah. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I know. I... I I think I think some part of me will always I think be a cougar because I never got to <laughs> you guys <laughs> I never got to experience that young young puppy dog love oh okay thing it's not all that it cracked up the, okay, to me but cool. I mean <laughs> like, okay, I'm cool. just queer so <laughs> I, uh, I, I regret that I wasn't able to do it with a girl that's it I started earlier. <laughs> I started my sexual exploration when I was in junior high in eighth grade. I, there was no penetration or whatever, but that was when I started feeling like the, the, uh, tingly feelings in all the places I didn't know existed before when I had a boyfriend and we would kiss or, and it was in eighth grade that, uh, I, um, started experiencing under the, not only under the shirt, but under the bra, mm-hmm. uh, petting so that was and then after that it just uh it continued to to yeah no <laughs> so not spiral up <laughs> uh, yeah not spiral down it, it we we blew up <laughs> yeah see there's so many feelings here right now <laughs> and it's all, and it's all thanks to santa susia exactly. <laughs> yeah i mean it's great to see it see us now from this point you know sometimes it 
sometimes we don't look back and think of who we used to be. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, a lot, and a, I feel like maybe a lot of people, women especially, um, feel a little bit embarrassed about who they used to be or the things that they've gone through or whatever. But mm. the thing is that we've all gone through it. And, and that is also yeah. the theme of the themes. One of the themes of Santa Susia is mm. that we all might not have had the same experience, but we've all had experiences um, with these emotions and with these feelings. And um, I think that um, that's so super powerful. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's just like, even talking about that, I just remembered, uh, and I posted it on Facebook. Remember the little girl who gave me uh, yes. her little oh, sketch? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I work Sundays, and I run the Pokemon League for uh, Heidi Ho Comics now that one of our other employees is gone. But there was this young girl, and honestly, just seeing her in the back all the way over there, and she was dressed in black, too, with her little hoodie up and everything. Like, I got, like, I got a blast. From the past, looking at her, and I was just like, "Oh shit, she looks like me." So I went over there, and I was just like, "You guys need anything?" And then I saw, and uh, and I saw her in house, saw that she was sketching anime figures and stuff like that, and uh, and then uh, and then her parents were just like, "She wants to compliment whoever is playing the playlist," because I I was All I was right. doing I was doing like a early two thousands emo rock. <laughs> emo playlist um uh, with just My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, and everything. And she was just like, I really like your music. And I was just like, that's so sweet. <laughs> I was just, like, it was, just, it was just, she was so utterly adorable. And yeah. I could just see myself in her, that yeah. young me who was just so like, and so like, well, I, that's why I told her, like, I liked her artwork. And, yeah. And then like her, and she was, she said like, oh no, it's not that good. I was just like, oh honey, it's fine. Yeah. yeah it was just like, it's perfect. And see, uh, how, how old would you think she was? She couldn't have been more than 13. Yeah. And that's at the time where um, there are so many books that are out there that talk about um, the the way that girls start to um, kind of uh, it be more inverted at uh, 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before they would raise their hands in class or mm-hmm. they would be comfortable speaking out and um, putting their ideas out there around ages 12 and 13 they that all starts to kind of um, revert a little bit and it a lot of it has to do with um, all the the um, societal standards of of um, beauty and also just gender roles and then um, over and above that all the hormone stuff that starts happening and be being aware of Boys and or girls, depending on uh, how um, that particular individual feels, um, and that being so just completely overwhelming, and girls just um, don't get the same uh, the same support uh, as boys do to mm-hmm. kind of continue with uh, down their role of being outspoken and raising their hand and science and all that kind of stuff. And, and girls kind of just get shoved to the side. Mm-hmm. Like in that, that one, the parents were very supportive of her doing her artwork because they recommended some art books with it. Yeah. But they were there mostly for their son yeah. and him playing Pokemon and stuff like that. So I just, I hope they come in next week and I hope she's there because I'm definitely going to recommend Sandman to her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. I'm like, <laughs> and even if she doesn't want to commit to like the whole series of Sandman, maybe just the four issue uh, death mm-hmm. one. 
Oh yeah, the death one. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how her parents will take the death one. Yeah. So I would say Sandman. Because if anything, right, the aesthetic of Sandman. Uh, right now, I'm that. like, oh my god, Sandman for a 13 year old. But man, I was reading Stephen King when I was in sixth grade. Right. Um, right. And Sylvia Plath. <laughs> and <laughs> Anne Sexton and all Oh, my those. God. Sylvia Plath. Oh, my God. That's so depressing. <laughs> you, what, how old were you? I was, like, I started reading all those, like, probably the Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton stuff probably, like, in eighth grade. I started reading all the naughty books, yeah, around eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade. I was reading B.C. Andrews, guys. Oh, yeah. I read B.C. Andrews in sixth grade. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. And yeah, I'm assuming most of it grade. went over my head, mm-hmm. but... Um, I want to read them again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some incest going oh. on there. <laughs> I think yeah. I, I skipped through some of those parts as an adult. It wasn't as exciting as what everyone made it out to be. <laughs> I don't think... Christopher! No. <laughs> what was her name? I forgot. Anyway. Interesting. <laughs> so, uh, if you too would like to um, uh, go back and revisit your inner, uh, your inner sixteen-year-old girl, regardless <laughs> if you're a female or not, <laughs> um, you can uh, contact Santa Susia at. Um, Saint Susia at gmail.com, which is S T S U C I A at gmail.com. You can follow them on Instagram at um, uh, S T S U C I A, uh, Santa Susia, and order them, like we mentioned, at www.stsucia.bigcartel.com, which is B I G C A R T E L. And just like a little side note, I'm looking at in the, uh, in the, uh, Behind the first cover page, and it's uh, issue number two, and this book is the third printing. Yeah, it was third printing of issue yeah. number one, too. Third so printing that, of issue number three as That well. means that they've had to print this at least three times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that means this is going very well. Yeah. That's not going very well. So you can imagine the amazing content within these zines. So highly recommended, guys. Do you have anything else to add, or do we go on to rate the book right now, or the books? Or the zines. <laughs> I'm ready to rate. I'm ready to rate too. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna start crying pretty soon if I keep remembering that old self of mine. <laughs> um, so let's, let's, uh, let's all rate this, uh, zine, a zir- a series because it's not a specific, uh, issue or book. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we only read the first four, but there are multiple mo- um, ones that I know are available right now. Mm-hmm. I wanna say, I don't know. There was a lot. I didn't see how many were I there. I want to say at least ten. Ten? Okay. okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I definitely give it the whole three conchas, uh, the panaderia, the, uh, gosh, the the cup of champurado. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, when we heard of Santa Susia, it sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. When I met Natasha and um, Isabel, they were amazing women. Mm-hmm. Um, but just um, all of, and, and this is a collaboration. It is an anthology of just multiple uh, Latina women submitting their works. And it, it's just amazing. So mm-hmm. um, three conchas, cup of champurado, la whole panaderia. Same. Um, this is Sarah, and I'm also giving it the whole panaderia and the three conchas and the cup of champurrado. I'm going to replace it with 
Café Mexicano, which is the Café <laughs> Mexicano with the shot of tequila inside. <laughs> so that's what I'm recommending. Um, I love it. Yeah. Love this. I, I um, want to, I'm so sorry to cut you off. I want to subscribe to this. I want this to be in my mailbox, like, whenever, like, once a month or yeah. whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm all in, guys. Okay, good. I'm, I'm checking mm-hmm. right now to see what. What kind of order info is on there, Jen? While I'm yeah. looking, you can do your uh my 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 little spiel. Well, yes, I give it the three conchas of every flavor: the chop of caburrado. The cup of the chop of uh, the chop of caburrado. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean. I mixed up my words, but I'm committing to it. <laughs> A cup of champurrado, the entire the entire panaderia, and um, in the words of, and I specifically remember this from writing it in one of my sidelines, a lock of my hair to show my dedication. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, actually, didn't I give you guys the Susia pins that I gave them? Yes, that I bought. I think I don't even know what I did with mine. I bought I bought Mm -hmm. us all Susia pins. Oh, well, were they their their pins or what? It was it? their pins. Which one? Yeah. Um, I bought black. Didn't I give you? Oh one? no, no, I don't think oh, so. No. no, I think you only bought one for yourself. Maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> you did give us. So I think you did give us some, oh, but they were from the other pin person. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They were the the regular. But where old the pins. heck is my Susia pin? I don't know what I did with it. You know what? I bet you it's on the lanyard still. I forgot. Oh, yeah. So anyway, um, it looks like um, they have 11. 11. Nice. 11 um, issues of the zine. And um, we didn't mention it before, but each one is $7. Okay. So, oh, yeah, and I forgot about and that. they're all available on this uh, santasucia.bigcartel.com. And um, I'm sure it probably, once you... Um, you order, you probably have to pay for shipping, but um, they are 1 through 11, all available, in addition to some really cute Susia lapel pins in black and pink. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. <clears throat> well, I'm I'm in. Uh, this is, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to have kids because I'm now going to be, what, 42 and nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but this is definitely a zine that... If I had a daughter or a son, I would hand these down to them at when they were a proper age, maybe 13, 14, 15. I would definitely do that. So I think this would take care of some of my parenting duties, actually. <laughs> so uh, highly recommended. I love it. I'm I'm willing to pay. I don't know how often they come out, but I'm willing to pay the te- uh, $7 a month, I guess, would be Not what I'm thinking. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it was it's way more time in between that because they have uh, other jobs and things that they have to do and it's probably just a passion project. But um, definite. Oh yeah, this issue three, summer of 2015. Oh okay, then yeah, yeah, yeah I I would subscribe. Mm-hmm. Five year subscription. Yeah, take my money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for it. I'll just be sure to pass it on to my nieces and nephews. Yeah, that's I'm a good, good idea. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Well, now we go on to other news, and we present Jen for On My Radar. So, On My Radar is actually a couple of books, and one of them being Imaginary Fiends, which is by um, uh, 
Vertigo, and I hadn't, the reason it was on my radar was because I hadn't seen a Vertigo title in a cool minute. Mm. It's just that they seem to really have calmed down in their publication works, because DC's taking over a lot of them. They're in integrating a lot of the characters that were in Vertigo into yeah. the DC universe. But, um... Oh. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's why I like DC, because they integrate the Vertigo, and they integrate all the characters into the universe, which I love. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, Imaginary Fiends is by Tim Seeley, and it is uh, a horror book, um, uh, um, uh, and he is the person who created Hack Slash, and he is teaming with artist Stefan Molnar, um, um, who does um, uh, some of the artwork for Nightwing. And, um, see, who's the letter? I forgot who the letter is. It was Carlos, uh, yeah. the, the, Carlos, what was his last name? I forgot. Santana. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Mangual. Uh, Carlos Mangual. Yeah, which we are assuming is Latino, but, but I mean, it's just wrong. an assumption. We don't yeah. know. He could be, um, Filipino. Mangual, I don't know. Could be, could be Filipino. But anyways... Uh, the series is a chance, uh, the series as Celia describes is a chance to tell a story about a broken person and her monster friend. And Imaginary Fiends tells the story of Melba, a young woman who spent years in an asylum after having attempted to kill her best friend. Melba is haunted by Polly Peachpit, an entity Melba claims forced her to try to kill her friend and who has been haunting Melba ever since a situation that has forced the pair to form a genuine relationship. So it's super interesting. And that sounds really cool. It does. Yeah. It really does. It's, it's an interesting concept, and I can't wait to read more. And issue one is already out. It, it came out in late October. No, wait. It came out I now. don't remember. It came <laughs> out. No, no, it didn't come out in October because it was pushed back. Oh. Uh, well, pushed forward or whatever. Yeah. But it, I think it came out like two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. That sounds it. about right. Mm-hmm. Came out about two weeks ago, and it was it's it's really good, and I really like the artwork for it because it was you just see this woman who's running, and then there's this creepy boogeyman-ish looking figure that is like right after her, and I thought it was really really cool, and I and I'm always down for some demon shit, so um uh, so I picked I'm it up. Always down for some demon shit. <laughs> my next on my reader is a book called Coyotes. Mm-hmm. And um, um or coyotes, I just say coyotes because it sounds better in yeah. my head. Um, and this book is by uh Sean Lewis and Caitlin Yars. And this book, the underworld meets Sicario, and the new series from Sean Lewis. I'm reading off of the image um uh page right here. Um uh, and it says uh hunted by a legion of wolves that roam the border, women are disappearing. The survivors band together to wage war. Detective Frank Coffey is trying to understand this mystic, this mythic level bloodbath when he comes across Red, a little girl with a secret and a sword. Ultra-violent and smart as hell, Coyotes transforms the everyday into a myth we can rally behind. And I specifically wanted to put this one because when, um, uh, it, it, the name is Coyotes and the girl in front, uh, looks uh, I believe she is some kind of Latina or Mexican. Yeah, I actually mm-hmm. read it. 
Oh. Um, because we got it, uh, we got, somebody special ordered it. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I was like, oh, this looks really interesting. And so I started looking through it, and, um, just the, the title itself made me think, oh, there's like some kind of, uh, it has to be some kind of Latino connection here. And it's set in, mm-hmm. um, it's set it's in, in border town. Yes, uh huh. I don't know which border town. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it well, you could said be any. disappearings of people. Oh, yeah. Women? Women. It could be Juarez, Mexico. Yeah, it could be. It's a one. It's one of. It's one of those. But yeah, because and I was just thinking, like you know, the name for the people who smuggle in people, right? The coyotes. Yeah. Coyotes. I was just gonna say for those of you who don't know the significance of the of the of the name coyote, um, it that's what they call the people who specifically are hired to illegally bring people mm-hmm. over um, the border from mm-hmm. Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it, I've heard very different stories of the coyotes. My mom got a uh, very uh, nice coyote mm-hmm. who basically drove her all the way mm-hmm. from Guatemala mm-hmm. to uh, the to the border and smuggled her across. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my dad did not. Uh, my confirmation godmother really did not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and my I don't even want to know. That sounds horrible already. She she fortunately came out fine, but okay. uh, the other woman did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle, the first time he came was easy. The second time he came, he almost died in the desert. Wow. Yeah, and my other uncle who came... Uh, when he came, and I remember when he came, but my mom had to make him lie down so she can pull out the cactus needles from oh, his feet. Oh my God! No way! Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! Geez. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with the word. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, so I thought it was gonna be, but it's, it's a mix of magical realism as long as with like the art and the coloring and oh, just yeah. the, the tone of the whole book was really, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it was, it's, it, look, it looked spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's only going to be about three or four issues. Oh, okay. They already have the trait slated for oh. ordering. Maybe we could mm-hmm. uh, actually review that one. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it, it, I, I had to I had to look it up and see. Um, uh, and, all right, the last one that I am going to put highlight, uh, highlight on is Apocalypse Girl. <laughs> and we saw this book come into the store, and it was just... So cool looking. Yeah, and it, it caught my eye because it um it's published by a super small indie publishing company called Amigos uh Com- Amigo Comics. And so I was like, mm-hmm. does is this a a comic publishing company that's specifically published by Latinos? And mm-hmm. when I did a little bit of research, the the artists of this and the creator uh, writer of this particular series, they were Spanish. They weren't uh, Latino, but they're Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Apocalypse Girl is about a young girl who is living in a post-apocalyptic. Uh, landscape or like kind of like apocalypse happening but also kind of post-apocalypse and she is trying to be a latina teenager while avoiding her mother and trying to find a boyfriend or something like that yeah is this an all ages book no no definitely not uh it's very it's very hard to find um uh, all ages zombie titles or apocalypse titles um but this one isn't, and it was just sounded so interesting, and it sounded like a lot of fun. And the 
art itself looked really kind of a bit trad more, a bit like street artish. Mm-hmm. So I was super interested in it. Yeah, so yeah. we had three copies at the shop, and I had intended to take them um, so that we could do a future episode on them. And I for- I left that day, and I forgot. And by the time I came back to the shop the next day, they were all sold already. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So um, this particular um, small indie company, Amigo Comics, um, mm-hmm. has... Uh, also some straight to trade um, books. I don't remember what the titles were, but when I in reading the description, they sounded super interesting. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and some of them had the same Hispanic um, uh, creators as was on Apocalypse Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely something that I think I want to try to check out to see if we can, because uh, uh, on my radar is just Amigo Comics in and of itself. I mm-hmm. thought that that, oh, yeah. uh, I, I really think it's uh, cool to support small independent publishing uh, publishers. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, also, to add to On My Radar, uh, right now on Hulu is the net, uh, Hulu original series Marvel's Runaways. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a very cool story and very well executed uh, because of the Hulu budget. Um, so I found it to be incredible. Really well done. It's not mm. too. Um, it's not too. What is that called? Um, novella-ish. It's. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> a dramatic series. I uh, know, I'm really enjoying it. So that's on my radar. And this is, is Victor Mancha in it? This is gonna I just, just start. I just started oh, okay. watching. I'm sorry. The, the one of the Runaways who comes out later. I wasn't sure who their lineup was gonna be. Is Nico in it? Yes. Oh. I might just watch it for Nico. Because <laughs> I, I was going to watch it, but I haven't gotten around to it. If you Which one's Victor? I watch, I've watched all four of them. Oh, okay. Or three. Yeah. Victor is, uh, he is an android, and he is the oh. Vision's little brother. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like he probably will be, just based on what I've seen. So this, um, it, if you are a fan of The Runaways um, mm-hmm. at, at all, you'll know from the very first episode that this, a uh, series is based on the Brian K. Vaughn run of Runaways, mm-hmm. and it's following that storyline. Um, we're already on issue uh, episode four, mm-hmm. I think, and we um, it's pretty straightforward adaptation. Brian K. Vaughn is an actual executive pro- producer on the show, so he has his hand in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're, uh, although I I love Brian K. Vaughn, you know that I love me some Why the Last Man and uh, mm-hmm. you know Saga and all that, but um, Ryan Kavon also um, wrote and produced um, Under the Dome, the Stephen King adaptation, which oh. was horrible. Ooh. Oh my gosh! So um, <laughs> I will. Uh, uh, I won't use that as a, an example of um, uh, of why the fact that he is uh, executive producing this is a reason to watch it, other than the fact that he wrote this. Um, mm. He wrote the... Um, Maybe he'll do a better job with his own career. That's what I was going to say. I mean, he well, wrote the source title. material. So yeah. that, to me, lends itself uh, a lot more uh, credibility than the other thing. But, um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I, uh, I, I am a sucker for CW stuff, and to me, that's kind of like what it is. CW yes, yeah. I and so it's uh, it, it's no, it's not very soap opery, but it's very like um, teen drama. Teen thing? drama, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but I, I mean, like that. that. Was I mean, feel, uh, runaways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, as far as I can see right now, there's one 
one of the group of friends, one girl, she committed suicide, so that has rippled, affected the other fellows. So I thought that was interesting. And also, a side note, one of the parents um, is Spike from yep. Buffy. I didn't. I watched all first. <laughs> okay, wait. How many are out now? Three or four? I think four. it's four. Okay, so I just watched four. I watched the first three episodes back to back to back and then just posted something on Facebook. was like, who's watching Runaways? And a friend of mine was like, oh, my God, I didn't re- recognize Marston, whatever his yeah, first name yeah. is. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like. I oh my god I had to go back and rewatch I was like holy cow because in Buffy he's so like British. skinny and emo and like t- and You're I my mean favorite. he has I love Spike. Yeah. he has he has a uh, um a a dad pooch now and like he's older and his face is full and his Boy. body is fuller and and he's a bully and I just didn't recognize him at all and yes obviously his British accent is uh, gone. gone but it's um I was I was like so beside myself that I missed I watched three whole episodes <laughs> and I didn't catch it I, I James rec- James Marston yeah I recognize it by his face and bone structure but I'm like yeah that's so what she said and I was like he looks so familiar she's like I I wouldn't I couldn't miss those cheekbones anywhere I'm <laughs> like well I sure did and then and then I I saw the second episode and I was like hey that's Spike. Yeah. Oh my god. But um yeah, he totally has dad pooch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, it's it's so weird cuz it's so weird for me to like see him as that because of his British accent's completely gone." Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh my god, I just I don't know if I can do this." <laughs> but but so far so good. Yeah, so Episodes one through three, I had no idea. Episode four, I was aware of it, and then I couldn't not see it anymore. And right. It was, it was annoying me. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but definitely I second um, what Sarah is saying. Check out Runaways on Hulu. I'm really enjoying it. I've only read the first um the first volume of Runaways, um, but the whole run is supposed to be just really amazing. So definitely check it out. Check out the source material um, at, at some point because it's really good. At your local comic book store. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, just one quick thing because I completely forgot to mention this in our last pad- podcast, but there are seven episodes out of Black Girl in a Big Dress. Uh-huh. And it's a, uh, you can see it on YouTube. Their episodes are, there's seven episodes out, and they're about three to seven minutes long. And it's like they stared into my soul and made a series <laughs> out of it. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into too much detail except to say that it's awesome. It is really And good. whoever thought of this was like, it's my soulmate. It's like, it's like my, my, uh, I don't know. What are they called? The uh, my spirit. She's my spirit animal. She's my spirit animal. <laughs> it's funny you posted um, that right after I had watched uh, all of. Because I just sometimes I fall down the deep hole of Facebook videos. Somebody posts a video and I'll go and click on it, and yeah. then the next one just automatically Pops starts. Up. Yeah. And that was what I was doing one morning when <laughs> the uh, that. Uh, Black Girl in a Big Dress came up, and then the that one episode was so good that I actually sought out 
I went to the Facebook page. I looked to see, and I went to YouTube to find out what other was there. And then I just went from the beginning, and I watched all of them, and they were so, so good. Yeah, it's like so. play all. <laughs> I was sorry to see that they only had seven episodes. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want this to end. And it was so good that when I went to my aunt's house, I had them put it on. And all four of us sat in the living room and watched it. Yeah. And it was just great. I, I loved it. I love the actress. I love her acting ability, her range. I am just in love with the show. And I would kill for them to make a whole big, like, hour-long episode. That's what I would want. Anyway, that's yeah. on my radar. And <laughs> well, it also could um, qualify as Juntos y Fuertes, uh, mm-hmm. uh, supporting uh, other uh, creators in uh, from marginalized groups who are out there producing creative content. Um, and um, it's a nice little segue into My Juntos y Fuertes, which um, is... Um, came up on my Facebook today, and I already shared it on the on the um, on the Comadres y Comics uh, Facebook. But it is a um, Kickstarter that Ooh. is um, live right now. Actually, it's not a Kickstarter. It is like a, it's a crowdfunding campaign on a website called Seed and Spark. And Seed and Spark is, um, it's a website that, uh, let me see, it's a website that um, is the only crowdfunding slash streaming platform focused on diverse storytelling. Um, you can watch, uh, it says you can watch incredible, inclusive, and award-winning movies and shows while backing a new crowdfunding film of your choice each month in one single subscription. And wow. you can, um, it says you can, you get your first month free and then it's six ninety nine a month after and you can cancel at any time. So on Seed and Spark is um, this, uh, this campaign called Jalisco. And Jalisco is um, this idea by Caden Phoenix, who is a Boyle Heights native. And she wrote this uh, short story. It's, she wants to do a little short uh, film um, about a power female, powerful female heroine that fights crime through the tradition of folklorico dance. Ooh. How does she do that, you might be wondering? She's the epitome of the interlacing identities of female strength and cultural proudness that is lacking in the realm of comic books and superheroes. She showcases strength of the Mexican Mexican community. And uh, she, um, the way that she uh, kills, when she spins, blades are released from the fucking fringes of her skirt. Oh, that, that is <laughs> oh, that's so metal. I love that. Oh my god. I I'm I'm gonna support that. I know. That's so fucking cool. Oh my god. Do you know how many times I wished I could have like like so knives onto like my pants or something? Or, like like I wasn't thinking big enough. I should have gone with skirts. Uh, so it says she twirls perfectly and slices necks at the same time. Oh She's my an god. assassin and this is her story. <gasps> I love this. I love so I've I've already shared mm-hmm. this on uh, the Comadesi Comics page. Um, it's uh, there. You can just scroll down and check it out. It is a link to the Seed and Spark um, campaign page. So far, it looks like they have um, out of the fifteen thousand five hundred dollars that they need 
for uh, for the campaign for the project, they've raised about five thousand, mm-hmm. um, a little under five thousand. They've raised four thousand six hundred and twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. So um, there's thirteen days left. Um, 13 and four days and 14 hours, so they've, they've only hit 29%. Um, I highly recommend that uh, every little bit counts, as they say, and this just sounds so awesome. And what they're hoping to do with this short is to, once they get the short, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, shop it around to different festivals mm-hmm. in hopes to maybe get a full-length feature. Oh, my God, yeah. I know, that sounds so awesome, I doesn't want it? that, yeah. I was like, they had me at Folklorica. <laughs> and in addition, um, the story, amazing. The entire crew is going to be female. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Very exciting. Yes. It's an exciting moment we're living in, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited about this. I'm definitely down for supporting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of little perks, like depending on how much you donate, you can get pins um autograph posters i think and uh little pins as well lapel pins as well uh so it just depends on uh how much you're willing to uh donate um but uh i'm very excited about this project i can't wait yeah she uh she talks about how as a little girl uh she used to sit and watch her mom dance folklorico and that it just looked so powerful and so just awesome and amazing to mm-hmm. her that this story came to her so the folklorico is amazing it's like it's so passionate Mm -hmm. Uh, like a next level of passionate and power yeah yeah i can definitely see like that that's legit exactly Mm -hmm. so yeah that's my uh that's my juntos y fuertes fuertes. excellent guys well i guess that brings us to the end of our episode um do you guys have any shout outs or anything well, uh, as always, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at Comadres E Comics, or on Twitter at Comic Comadres. And we also have we're also on Facebook, and we have an email. It's Comadres E Comics at gmail dot com, and also we have a Snapchat. So uh, any events or any information, we go ahead and snap it. So follow us on Snapchat. And just a real quick, I am giving a um, uh, we. Did a review of uh, Poe um, Noir uh, Noir last uh, last episode, but definitely um, they we have their books at Heidi Ho. Uh, reminding people, anybody who's interested, come pick up the book. Um, we've already had to ask for them to drop off more books because the first yeah. round that we got sold out. So wow, people it's are loving love some Poe Noir. Excellent. That book sells itself. I'm so excited, guys. That's super cool. That concludes our episode. So we have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.